At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. The stage is set for a November election where voters will pick St. Petersburg's next mayor. Race pits longtime Pinellas County Commissioner Ken Welch against City Council member Robert Blackman. We'll hear from both candidates on today's show. But first, let's get some perspective from political analyst and Tampa Bay Times reporter William March. We spoke via Zoom. What's been the story of the uh, the St. Pete mayor's race so far in terms of how it's played out? I guess, Bradley, one thing to say is there hasn't been a whole lot of argument on issues among the various candidates. The debate has been mostly over qualifications, experience, and their general philosophies of government. The um, one somewhat surprising outcome from the the primary is Darden Rice's failure to make it into the runoff. And Robert Blackman, who filed late, coming in second and making it into the runoff against Ken Welch. So now voters in the general election in November will choose between Ken Welch and, and Robert Blackman. The, uh, there's been a partisan tinge to it. Blackman initially was leaning pretty strongly against running, but late in the race, it appeared that there was no strong conservative candidate, no strong Republican candidate, and he jumped in late in order to fill that role. And it worked at least as far as getting him into the runoff. What happened with Darden Rice's campaign? She spent a significant amount of money, was a history-making candidate in some ways. If she'd, she'd won the election, she would have been the first gay mayor of St. Pete. What, what went wrong for her? Well, as you just noted, she raised and spent more than any other candidate. Rice appeals strongly to a particular sector of Democratic voters, the progressives. She also appealed to, to gay voters and and gay voters are a pretty strong voting block in St. Petersburg, but even that block split up with some of them backing Ken Welch over her. Part of the issue is that Ken Welch, who would be the first black mayor of St. Petersburg, appealed to a very large constituency, which is black voters there, and Rice didn't solidify her base among gay voters, which, in any case, would not be as large as as the black voting uh, group in the city. If you look at the numbers in St. Petersburg, there are 35,000 black registrants out of a total of about 190,000. The white voters are fairly evenly split among Democrats, Republicans, and, and no party with Democrats having a plurality among white voters but the black registrants are overwhelmingly democratic. We have two candidates who are both St. Pete natives. Robert Blackman though is a a registered Republican. He's tried though not to, uh, to align himself with national Republicans when he's talking about what he would do as mayor. If he were elected though, what 
what kind of mayor would he be? How would you see a more conservative philosophy of, of governments with, with someone like Blackman versus Ken Welch or, or Rick Kreisman? Well, he would probably be at least somewhat disruptive. He, he disagrees with some of the ongoing plans for how to handle major city issues. For one thing, he wants to put the new municipal services center in Tangerine Plaza as opposed to the current plan to, to sell the existing building and build a new one next to City Hall. He also disagrees with Mayor Kreisman's proposal to uh, have the City Marina be privately run. He's very young. He's, he was the youngest council member ever elected to, in the city uh, in 2019. He was 30 at that time. But there's a good reason that he's not strongly aligning himself with Republicans, and that is because Democrats have a very substantial lead in voter registration in the city. It's a, it's a pretty heavily blue city. It's about 46% Democrat compared to about 25% each Republican and no party. So running as a Republican, he wouldn't get very far. Uh, we should emphasize here, Bradley, that this race is nonpartisan and that the candidates are not allowed to run representing parties. However, many of the voters and nearly all of the political activists know which, which party the candidates are and the parties routinely get involved to the extent of supporting the candidate of their party. The, uh, the turnout was, was pretty low. I know turnout tends to be low in, in municipal elections. Is that any kind of barometer though of how engaged St. Pete residents are with, with their city and, and the issues facing it? I am not certain about that, Bradley. I would have thought with two black candidates, two strong black candidates, one strong gay candidate and one strong Republican oriented candidate, conservative oriented candidate, that you would draw a lot of voters. Uh, and, and in general, there was a large field and a large field tends to draw a lot of voters. Again, I think maybe what it reflects is comparative lack of burning emotional issues to drive voters to the polls and, and a race where personal qualifications, experience, and philosophy were the, the main differences rather than arguments over a burning issue of importance to voters. William, thanks so much. As always, we appreciate it. Glad to be here, Bradley. That was political analyst and Tampa Bay Times reporter William March. You're listening to Florida Matters. The show continues in just a moment. This is Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. I'm Bradley George. Today, we're talking about the race to become St. Petersburg's next mayor. Let's hear from the candidates. Robert Blackman serves on the city council. He grew up in St. Pete, attended Florida State, and works in real estate. He's also a registered Republican. But when I spoke to him, he said he would be a mayor for all citizens. St. Petersburg is a, is a pretty uh, heavily democratic, progressive city. This is a nonpartisan race, though, we should say that. But you are a registered Republican. Uh, what do you say to to voters who maybe see you as a, as a Republican first, you know, people who, who are kind of in that Democratic progressive uh, demographic? My campaign slogan has been St. Pete for all. And I truly believe that 
You know, I'm a St. Pete native first and foremost. I was born at Bayfront Hospital. I went to St. Pete High. But I think you need to look at the record that I've had on council. You can't compartmentalize any stance I've ever taken or, frankly, any of my uh, campaign platform for running for mayor. One of the things I've been very most passionate about and fought the most for is the revitalization of the historic science center on the west side of town, a 30,000 square foot scientific learning facility that is currently abandoned and that I have secured uh, federal funding working with Congressman Charlie Crist, a Democrat, and Senator Daryl Roussan, a state senator who is a Democrat, uh, and also Linda Cheney, a state representative who's a Republican. So I've always worked uh, across the aisle to try and get things done for our community. Looking at your time on the on the city council and and the biggest issue for for the council right right now has been making your voice known with the uh, the Tropicana Field redevelopment project because Mayor Kreisman has been pretty adamant about wanting to choose a developer for that side and uh, to get moving on it before he leaves office. If you're elected mayor, what changes would you make to that process if Mayor Kreisman goes ahead and and moves forward with that plan? Well, it was unfortunate timing, uh, the whole thing. And I understand why the mayor brought it out uh, when he did. It's because he was out of time. You know, he brought out the RFP last year. He took the submissions last year. But we were in the midst, really in the midst of the still the unknown. There was no vaccine for a deadly once in a generation pandemic. And commensurate with that fact, we got uh, not necessarily the cream of the crop in terms of uh, responses. If you look at the quotes from administration before the RFP was put out, I believe it was uh, Alan Delisle, our development director, said he was expecting 50 or 60 responses. We got like eight. And we shouldn't ever, on something that's going to be generational, uh, which is this site, we shouldn't be beholden to one man's timeline in office. Uh, we need to make sure that it benefits the entire city, the entire community for the next 100, 150, 200 years because you get one shot at this thing. So I would honestly want to go back to some of the more cursory elements of this. We need to maybe reopen the RFP process, but also in good faith, we need to negotiate with the Rays uh, and quickly determine whether or not they're going to be here. What I've been saying this whole time is they were never incentivized before to deal because they knew they had a contract that swung both ways, right? They got 50% of development rights and we got 50% of development rights, but you know, they, they kind of could be a roadblock. Now they're seeing that 2027 is not that far away and they're ready to deal. So it sounds like you would you would go back to square one with the RFP, though. You, you just want to kind of start that process again. Is that what, what you're saying? In all candor, I'd have to look at, you know, where we're at in the process. But my personal reaction, my, my first call would be to the raise. Uh, day one in office, can we set a date to talk? And quickly, I think we can because I talk to them very frequently uh, as a council member. And I have a great working relationship with the Rays. But I want to know where their head's at first. And from there, we'll, we'll make decisions. You know, maybe they love some of the uh, RFPs that are out there. Maybe they, maybe they have a huge mistrust. But we have to negotiate with them first and foremost for at least all of 2022. We need to keep them uh, at the front of our negotiating ideas. What about the issues of one, um, including South St. Pete in this, in, in whatever development proposal comes up at this site, and two, the issue of possible 
human remains or, or unmarked graves that were found uh, underneath the site? How would you address those? So as far as the, I'm going to address number two first, unmarked graves, um, that's a problem that's been popping up a lot, especially uh, in our region. Certainly we need to have, I mean, that just goes back to the whole theme, right? The thematics of the gas plant district being a community that was displaced. Uh, what does every community have? It has uh, cemeteries. And we need to dignify and honor those uh, who were traditional occupants of the area. You know, so often you walk around downtown St. Pete and you don't remember what was there. Uh, but we need to make sure that the, the proper dignity is given and they need to be remarked if possible. We'll have to do genealogical surveys. Uh, as far as how to help South St. Pete with the trap redevelopment, we need to make sure that South St. Pete benefits from the Tropicana field site. And, you know, there've been a lot of different ways of how to do that talked about, but even if you put affordable housing, right, on the site and you did nothing but affordable housing, it's still going to have a ripple effect into, especially the Midtown neighborhood. That's why I've been a proponent of a couple of things. First of all, I think that any and all Tropicana field redevelopment plans should mandate one of two things, either a grocery store be built as part of the plan on the southwest corner of the site, because that would help to carve up some of the of the food desert, or have a developer given land that was city owned down 22nd Street to build a grocery store, but there should be a grocery store mandate. The second plan that I've had uh, that is actually, and, and we could delve into this in a second, is I would like to see Tangerine Plaza turned into our municipal services center. I'm just stepping in here to clarify what Robert Blackman is talking about. Tangerine Plaza is a city-owned shopping center at 18th Street South. Most of it sits empty, including a space that was once home to a grocery store. Now back to the interview. Right now, we have a municipal services building at the corner of 4th Street and Central Avenue that the mayor says needs 30-something million dollars in repairs. He has a plan in principle to build a new municipal services building for $42 million dollars, and we'll give away half the site of the land we already own next to City Hall to a developer to build housing, uh, market rate predominantly. I don't think that's the way to go. I would like to move our city services to the vacant grocery store at Tangerine Plaza in South St. Pete, which will save us nearly $50 million. But also, we can take the bonding capacity we save to keep our municipal marina public, which the mayor has tried to privatize, and we can give the resulting profits from selling the old municipal services building to entrepreneurs in South St. Pete to open their own businesses because that purchasing power will create a demand for groceries, gas, breakfast sandwiches, coffee, lunch, all the city employees and all the people who visit municipal services. And we can have true economic growth that is founded in community inclusion uh, for the first time in Midtown St. Pete. If you're elected mayor, what would you do to improve ties between the city of St. Petersburg and uh, the city of Tampa and Hillsborough County? The ties, geographic in a lot of ways. Obviously, there's a, a separation there, but that's why I'd like to get our public transit is, I think, the way to do that. The more you know about somebody else, the closer relationship you have, and the more you see them, right? Uh, it's familiarity that can, that can breed a friendship. So uh, one thing that I've been really, really interested in for a long time that a number of different agencies have worked on, T-BARDA and others, and they're doing a study right now, is the idea of sky gondolas as transit. Now, the first time I heard about it, I rolled my eyes and I thought, this is craziness. 
but it's really not. And people have discussed how to roll that out, but basically they'd be suspended, you know, like ski lifts. And what I'd like to see done is I'd like to see uh, the feasibility of putting something like that parallel to the Howard Franklin Bridge. Also, of course, I'm a big proponent of the Cross Bay Ferry, uh, but basically transit and innovative transit options are the way that we're going to improve relationships with our, our city across the bay. Other than that, of course, just treating all leaders with dignity and respect and as partners, not adversaries. All right. I think that's it for my questions. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, I'm very thankful that I'm in the position I'm in in this election. You kind of need to look at what, what your, your thought is moving forward for the city. My opponent is kind of an old school, traditional, polished, uh, establishment type politician. I am not a politician. Uh, if you've seen kind of the way I've, I've fought on council, uh, and that's okay because I'm an, I'm an issues and ideas guy, and I'd like to see some of them implemented, and I'd like to bring a diverse cabinet into my administration. But, you know, there is a real generational divide, too, and I think we need to look at where St. Pete is moving as a city. Robert Blackman, thanks very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. That's St. Petersburg City Council member and mayoral candidate Robert Blackman. His opponent is Ken Welch. He also grew up in the city, graduated from USF St. Petersburg and Florida A&M, and for 20 years, he served on the Pinellas County Commission. If elected, he would be St. Pete's first black mayor. He has the support of current mayor Rick Kreisman. So you have the endorsement of Mayor Kreisman, and he seems to think that you would you would continue his legacy in, in many ways uh, if you were elected mayor of St. Petersburg. But I wonder if, if you were elected, what might you do differently? What what where might you take a different tack in, in certain things than what what Mayor Kreisman has done? Well, Mayor Rick Kreisman is a, is a longtime friend, even though he's a Florida Gator. I still like him. Uh, <laughs> And, and we uh, have similar views on a number of issues, but I, I want to make it very clear that I bring my own perspectives, uh, having grown up in South St. Pete, having literally uh, had my first job in my grandfather's wood yard at Fifth Avenue and 16th Street South, and his business was displaced for the interstate for I-175. Our church, just a couple blocks north, was among many churches and 800 residents and families and businesses who were dislocated for the pursuit of baseball. And so that is my life history. I also, when we talk about something like a Tropicana field redevelopment, you know, baseball is an important part of that. But to me, it's personal because I live that experience and those promises of economic development and jobs and equitable development to me are the priority. And I certainly hope baseball is a part of that. So that's just one example how my perspective will be different. The other perspective I have is is I still have family and, and churches, and, and I am in South St. Pete every day. One of my priorities is a youth, uh, an opportunity agenda for youth to connect young people with opportunity. And, and that not only builds wealth in the community and not only addresses some of the issues of poverty, but it makes us a safer community as these kids find positive paths to progress. And so those are just two examples of how my priorities and focus uh, will be different. And I'll, I'll end on this. The other thing I've had the opportunity to do is hire a lead administrator for a large local government. I was chair of the county commission in 2018 when we hired Barry Burton, and I led that process as chair. 
And as um, things have happened, Kanika Tomlin has decided to move on to Eckerd College. And so the new mayor will be hiring the new city administrator. And so that's another um, experience and perspective that I bring to the job. I want to unpack a little bit of what you said. And you talked about your your, your roots in South St. Pete. And uh, you talked a little bit about Tropicana Field. Mayor Kreisman has been very adamant about wanting to... Um, pick a, a developer for the site and start moving forward on that project before he leaves office. If he proceeds on that path and you become mayor after him, would you go back and say, let's put the brakes on that a little bit and let's make sure that we're, uh, you know, we're bringing the community in, into the table and that we're, we're, we're fulfilling the promises that we said we were going to as a city to the residents of South St. Pete and the people who were displaced when the original uh, Tropicana field was built. Well, one thing I've, I've focused on in my 20 years on the county commission is communication. And as mayor, it will be easier because I won't be bound by the sunshine law in the way that I was as a county commissioner. I couldn't talk to my fellow commissioners unless it was in a public workshop about an issue. But now as mayor, I have the opportunity to talk to each council member and understand what their priorities are. And I've already started that process. I've met with every council member. Uh, except for Darden Rice, and I'm meeting her uh, next week. That communications process have to, has to be better, and I think it was um, inevitable that council would pause that procedure because obviously their communication with the mayor had broken down. They were not on the same page. Same thing with the Rays. Uh, you know, I've started that communications process with the Rays, with Brian Ald in particular, and we've had that relationship throughout my time as a county commissioner. You may remember that we added a one penny of bed tax because we are a high tourism impact county. And I led that effort as a county commissioner. And we kind of designated that, that that penny to fund a future race stadium. And so that, that communication has to uh, be sustained. And to me, some good foundational work has been done. I think the RFP process with the 21 principles, uh, the focus on equitable development and inclusion and housing and making sure their transportation connections, all those things are good. I'm making sure that there is a substantial connection and recognition of the gas plant area community that was there before. I think all those things are good, but we need to get on the same page with the community, with the council, with the raise as well. I, I, I see many opportunities for us to come to an agreement. So I think the foundational work has been good. I do not think that the mayor... Uh, obviously, with council's position on this, we'll be able to select the ultimate project group. But I do think some good foundational work uh, has been done. I don't think we have to go back to to step zero. And I think there's some issues if you do that, including will the development community have faith that we will stick to the commitment this time? We've had this news that there's a possible human remains from the former cemeteries that are on that site. What changes do you think need to be made in the in the redevelopment process to honor the, those remains and identify them, et cetera, just deal with that whole situation? Well, unfortunately, that's a sad legacy of uh, our history, uh, the forgotten grave sites. Many of, many of those grave sites were African-American. In this case, they were segregated uh, web um, grave sites, as I understand it. But, you know, we need to make sure we understand clearly what's there and then, you know, respectfully um, handle those remains. That needs to happen. I'm not particularly surprised that that was found. Uh, you know, we found that in other uh, areas of Tampa Bay and Clearwater in Tampa. 
So we, we have to do the right thing there, let the, the, the investigation continue, and then handle those remains in a respectful way. You picked up an endorsement from uh, Hillsborough County uh, State Attorney Andrew Warren, and that has me thinking about if you were elected mayor, how would you improve the ties between St. Pete and Tampa and St. Pete and, and Hillsborough County government? Communication and respect. Uh, that's the way that I've approached the job as county commissioner. And I've served as uh, a first vice president of the Florida Association of Counties. So I've worked with folks all around uh, the state of Florida. And in that position, I was elected by commissioners from all 67 counties. There are just a lot of folks that I've worked with in Tampa Bay on a number of issues, whether it's preventing oil drilling off our shores, uh, where I work with uh, Congresswoman Castor and, and even Bill Young back in the day. And really beyond party lines as well. And oil drilling is a great example of that. We're stronger together and there's certain uh, issues like transportation where we need to have a united front to get our communities, whether it's Pinellas, Hillsborough or Tampa Bay, uh, in the position we need to be in. Speaking of that, where do you fall on this proposal to uh, build a bus rapid transit system along I-275? T-BARDA has come out with a new proposal for that in the last couple of weeks. They made a lot of changes to accommodate some of the concerns from Hillsborough County officials. Um, it's still a long ways off because there's all kinds of funding issues and involved with it. But do you think that that's a project that if you were elected mayor, that you would uh, you would try to help bring to fruition? Yes, I've served on uh, PSTA for a decade. I served as chair of PSTA when we began our effort to try to improve our transportation system, uh, get a, a viable funding source, really for both sides of the Bay, HART and PSTA, both are two of the most underfunded transit agencies in the nation. And so we've worked on that for a long time. Pinellas County, even though we have 24 cities, uh, we were able to get pretty much on the same page and identify our priorities. And the bus rapid transit system, the Sunrunner project, which will run from downtown St. Pete to the beaches, is something I worked on as PSTA chair. It's um, a different navigation when you're a region because Pinellas County's priorities are going to be different from Tampa and Hillsborough's priorities, different from Pasco's priorities. And so it's incumbent upon each of those counties to really define their own internal priorities. And we've done that in Pinellas County. Hillsborough has had some debate, uh, even internally, about I-275 uh, in Hillsborough. Um, there's a proposal in some parts to bring it down to ground level, make it a boulevard. And so they need to really get on the same page, I think, in Hillsborough in terms of what they want to do. And we'll support that in Pinellas. What we want to do in Pinellas is connect <laughs> to West Shore Plaza and TIA. And so we've been able to accomplish that. The new Howard Franklin will have the underpinning to support either light rail or it will have, you know, obviously the managed lanes that will support BRT. And so we've got that connection going basically from downtown St. Pete to uh, the West Shore area, which will connect eventually to the high speed rail coming from Orlando and connect to TIA as well. We've also worked with the state because, you know, there was some pushback from the state on our prior light rail proposal, but through the leadership of, of uh, some of our state leaders, we now have the Gateway Express that's under construction, which will allow us to go from St. Pete to Palm Harbor without a stop sign or a traffic signal uh, when that uh, is completed. And you see that under construction right now with a double-decker along 118th Avenue. And so I like the progress we're seeing regionally. 
each county has to really come together and and come to consensus on their own internal plan. We've done that in Pinellas. I think Hillsborough is trying to get there, but eventually we've got this overarching regional plan that connects the entire region. That was St. Petersburg mayoral candidate Ken Welch. Election day is November 2nd. That's our show for this week. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Bradley George. Thanks for listening to Florida Matters. Hope you'll join us again next week.